Welcome to Truncated Thoughts presented by Prescouter, where we spend a few minutes talking about trending topics in healthcare. I'm Jeremy Schmier, and with me is Dr. Ryan LaRanger. Today, we're going to talk about over-the-counter drugs, which if you're like me, maybe you take an allergy pill, pop an aspirin for a headache, or maybe take a vitamin D supplement. Now, Ryan, we talk a lot about prescription drugs on this podcast and in our work, but can you kick us off by talking a little bit about how some of these drugs can be safe for over-the-counter while others require a prescription? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> That's a good question. So in terms of safety, it's once a drug is deemed sort of uh, zero risk or near zero risk, it can be transitioned from a uh, prescription to an over-the-counter. So an important thing there is that there are a series of over-the-counter drugs and newly developed over-the-counter drugs, which are effectively just iterations or process improvements on existing over-the-counter drugs. Now, generally, these are dealing more with symptoms. They are very well-vetted small molecules, but maybe the uh, compounds that go alongside that small molecule are uh, different right? And so you can have some different outcomes. You could be more sleepy. It's, you can have some other symptoms. It can be delivered nasally. Uh, the other thing to keep in mind is that these are all generally oral available, topical, uh, nasal, or a couple of other methods, that nothing injectable by and large. Uh, the goal is for this to be sort of as safe and as easy to, and uh, as safe and sort of as easy to apply as possible with very little risk of things like overdose. Now, you talk a little bit about symptoms. A lot of these over-the-counter drugs, in, in my view, and you know, I'm interested in your perspective, but it seems like they offer a quick solution or a resolution for the symptoms. Maybe it's a cough or the common cold or something of that nature, um, but they're not necessarily correcting an underlying condition. What are your thoughts on that? So there is something to be said for the symptom versus the underlying condition. There are many cases where, frankly, the human body can handle it. Uh, in those, a over-the-counter drug is marvelous, right? Uh, common cold, some other things that are pretty minor. Maybe you don't need to go into the doctor's office. Uh, over-the-counter works very well in that instance, particularly these days, where uh, going into the hospital carries a certain amount of risk, potentially because of COVID. Um, it's nice to be able to have over-the-counter options for some of these symptoms to basically give the body time to practice whatever it is underlying. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. Certainly the availability of physicians um, is a little bit different, but I think it also has to make consumers and the purchasers of these over-the-counter drugs a little more savvy to know what to buy, you know, from a branded or a research perspective. What are your thoughts there? So that's actually a really important point. Uh, when we're talking about over-the-counter, um, it can be seen as a little bit of a, eh, I'm not going to say stale, but less of an exciting space than maybe prescription drugs or drug development. But one thing that's very exciting in the over-the-counter space is the marketing, the business strategy side of the equation. Uh, it's consumers are getting more sophisticated. They're looking for compounds or drugs or brands that not only have uh, very sophisticated marketing campaigns, which you absolutely need to have in this space, but they're looking for brands that are backed up by studies, data, and doctor recommendations. So there's a whole category 
of over-the-counter drugs, which are called uh, prescription to over-the-counter transitions. And these recently have been doing very well. And part of why is because they are perceived as safe and efficacious by the consumer. So it becomes a additional value to the brand to have clinical data. So even in cases where you're working on the efficacy side of the equation, you don't need to test so much for safety. Big companies will do tests with these compounds comparatively in order to get good results uh, or results that they can compare to their competitors. So if I'm a consumer, what data am I looking for to feel that these drugs are safe? Well, it's going to be a mix of whatever's on the label, depending on how, uh, or frankly, just whatever's in the advertisement, because it's often, you know, these firms are really good at presenting the data in the advertisement. Uh, there will also be recommendations from a doctor. It's sometimes, uh, these days more frequently, they'll go online, look at resources and say, you know, I go to this site, it gives me recommendations. Where are those recommendations being pulled from? Often clinical data. Now, uh, there's another thing I want to mention here that's really important, which is uh, in the United States in particular, a big problem we're dealing with is opacity and pricing. And that's causing a bit of a captive market uh, where, you know, depending on what hospital you go to, the same medication or the same procedure can cost wildly different amounts. The over-the-counter space is an interesting example of where things may go as pricing or as I will say, as the healthcare market on the prescription side and on the healthcare side, as that becomes more like over-the-counter, as it becomes more transparent, you may see a keener and keener interest on efficacy and branding, as well as just trying to get it into the hospital and corner that portion of the business. So that's just an interesting thing that I noted, and it's worth keeping in mind as we try desperately to get healthcare more transparent for patients. Got it. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I, I think as we close the, the podcast, I'm wondering, you know, for our drug maker listeners, you know, where do you think the biggest opportunities exist in the OTC space? Are there different therapeutic areas or disease areas, conditions that might be more ripe for this? Is it regulation dependent? Give us some closing thoughts. So what I would say uh, is pain is one of the markets where there's a very big demand and a huge challenge. The opioid crisis has been a big deal in the United States. It has led to some staggeringly enormous lawsuits. And it's not to mention a lot of human tragedy. And finding over-the-counter safe alternatives to opioids, which can meet a very, very real pain need uh, would be enormous if they could work and get to the point where they could be over-the-counter and inexpensive. Excellent thoughts. Thank you so much, Ryan. Um, all right, everyone. That is all the time that we have for today. If you're not a subscriber already, you can find us on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can also find information on how to contact us with any questions or commentary in the show notes. Next time, we plan to discuss computer-aided surgery and perhaps robotics. Until then, thanks for listening.